I'm Dr. Fiona Lovely, and this is the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast. I'm taking the taboos of menopause and perimenopause and bringing light to the dark. No bullshit, no shame. It's time for us to gain a new paradigm in female health, out with the old and in with the new, and I'm bringing fresh perspectives from someone in the arena. I've been practicing women's health for nearly 20 years, and I'm spilling the tea and what it means to live at midlife, knowing that the best is yet to come. I'm sharing my Gen X approach to living through this transition, sassy, a bit sweary, and always honest. Tactical tips and instantly usable information is my aim. I hope to make you laugh and that you learn something new that helps you embrace the change. Together, we bring power to the Perry. Onward to the podcast. Hey ladies, Dr. Fiona Lovely here, and this is the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast. How's everybody doing? Like what an exciting summer this has been. I just feel like we're really getting back to where we once were with uh, connecting with other people and being social and being out in the world. And I don't know, it's a fascinating time, isn't it? I just find it so interesting. So uh, if you're anything like me, uh, I have spent this summer reconnecting with old friends, uh, doing social time and just enjoying myself. I also just recently celebrated my 50th birthday, which is no joke. That cultural portal at 50. Whoa. Like, <laughs> Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. It's a big deal. I've never really concerned myself too much with the ideas of aging and what it means to be a woman in midlife in our society. But all of the sudden, this stuff is coming up for me to look at. Uh, really interesting. Anyways, thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to be in your world for a little bit of time, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Thank you so much. And I hope to bring you something, I think, kind of interesting and and game-changing, really, today, which is the concept that menopause is actually a brain phenomenon. Interesting, right? Like, the more I look at the research, the more I realize just how true this is. And in fact, a recent paper uh, done by Lisa Moscone, uh, 2021, and others referred to menopause as a, quote, dynamic neurological transition, unquote, end quote. Interesting, right? Oh, my goodness. So um, I got you. I'm going to educate you on this one because, uh, as you know, hopefully, if you've been listening to the podcast a while, not only do I take care of women in the hormonal hormonal flux in my clinical practice um, that we call perimenopause, but I also have advanced training in functional neurology, meaning I'm taking care of people that have a broken brain, basically. Most of the time I'm working with concussion patients, but there's a broad range of things that I can look at and help with. So let me explain some of this to you because I think it'll be a very powerful experience in terms of uh, understanding. So before I get too far into this, uh, let's take a moment to pause for our sponsor. 
Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it every day in the morning to break my fast. It makes me feel like I'm doing something good for my body, that I'm covering my nutritional bases. This simple daily habit allows me to cover those nutritional bases no matter what the day brings. Oh my gosh, because we never know what the day is going to bring. AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health, replacing your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Fiona Lovely. That's drinkag1.com slash Fiona Lovely. You can find the link in the show notes. Check it out. So recently, while I was interviewing Andrea Donsky of wearemorphous.com for the podcast, We spoke of the 10 most common symptoms of perimenopause and menopause. Now her company does research like this and uh, via surveys, uh, which I am going to ask you to participate in if you're interested. I'll drop the link in the show notes where you can go and uh, uh, share your your experience of perimenopause. I mean, the more we know about it, the better we can treat ourselves and our family members in the future. But um, her data sets give us a window into the experience of midlife for women. And what surprised me was that as she read to me the most common symptoms, the 10 most common symptoms of perimenopause and menopause, I realized that the vast majority of them were actually brain-based or had a brain origin or cause. So let's break that down. Here are the top 10 of the symptoms that uh, more than a 3,000 respondents at wearemorphous.com shared. Uh, Here we go. So in order of the most common first, fatigue or lack of energy. I feel like I have, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand each time I say something that sounds familiar. And just so you know, I'm doing the same thing. Okay, fatigue and lack of energy is number one brain fog, sleep issues, memory loss, forgetfulness, anxiety, joint pain, lack of concentration, lack of focus, hot flashes, and decreased libido. Now, for myself, I look at that list and I'm like, mm-hmm, pretty much every one of them. Yep. <laughs> How about you? So the brain-based symptoms, of course, would be fatigue and brain fog, sleeplessness, memory loss, forgetfulness, anxiety, lack of concentration, lack of focus, and hot flashes. And um, some of those may be a bit of a mystery to you why they would be brain-based, but I'll explain that here in a minute. And and there's actually an argument to be made for libido being brain-based as well. And I would put it in the category of having a brain causative factor. Um, 
but um, not everybody may do that. But it's really time for us to be considering menopause as a phenomenon of the brain rather than an event of our last ovulation and last menstrual period. Is it time? And I think the research is really directing us that way and saying it certainly supports menopause being approximately a decade of the dynamic neurological transition a decade long where the brain happens to be changing not only its structure but its function and one of the symptoms of that happens to be our last ovulation and our last menstrual period fascinating right so perimenopause is a time where the brain changes dramatically and it reshapes itself why does this happen well we believe it's because the decline of estrogen in particular leaves functions in the brain that rely on estrogen grasping for function. So estrogen is responsible for a number of things, uh, energy production, glucose uptake. Glucose is the exclusive fuel for the brain, just so you know, and new connections. So connectivity of the brain means the brain is constantly uh, pruning away connections that are no longer used and creating new ones, what we call new neural networks, okay? And you've heard the, the, the concept of the brain, the, the neurons that fire together, wire together. So the more there is a new uh, experience uh, in life, uh, that requires new parts of the brain to be accessed, the more you reach for those parts of the brain, the stronger those connections get. And estrogen is a part of those connections. So what happens when estrogen is no longer present in a predictable fashion? And with perimenopause, especially the early and mid parts of perimenopause, there's a real fluctuation of estrogen. It can go up really high, it can drop down low, and the brain can't settle into a new norm and so what happens is there's this sort of feast or famine experience with the brain function and that is either too much estrogen not enough estrogen and the result is of course foggy brain memory issues concentration issues focus issues sleep anxiety fatigue etc it really is about energy production that is the biggest factor here at the same time that the estrogen is fluctuating, that fluctuation is registered or picked up by the hypothalamus in the brain, which is the center for uh, command of the entire endocrine system. And that drop of estrogen rapidly, the, the hypothalamus picks that up, we think, this is the best explanation we have for the vasomotor symptoms of menopause, otherwise known as hot flashes and night sweats, is that the, the hypothalamus picks up that drop of estrogen and goes, uh-oh, we need to turn on the furnace because it's about to get chilly in here. And then we get the hot flash. So there's a lot of things, a lot of evidence, if you will, that sort of point to the brain being far more involved in the menopause transition than we ever thought possible. So let's keep talking about it. What does it mean? So in other words, estrogen and progesterone fluctuations in midlife cause enormous changes to energy metabolism, 
in the brain, immune function in the brain, connectivity, and brain structure. This panics the tissues who then radio out a message of SOS for another fuel, as in, I'm not getting what I need in order to function, so help. And this starts what we think is using lipids or fats as fuel. And while this isn't forever, it gives the brain an alternative fuel source when these fluctuations cause the brain to falter. Now, using lipids as a fuel, we think triggers inflammation. Again, so much of this research is so new or in its infancy, or we haven't had the lengths of time that a lot of other parts of medicine that we study or human physiology uh, and neurobiology that we study. We just haven't had the, uh, the depth of information, but we think this is what happens. So that transition to fuel, a fuel transition to lipids from glucose triggers inflammation. And inflammation is involved in so many symptoms in the body. In fact, all of the major chronic diseases that we hear about, cancer, uh, diabetes, heart disease, uh, etc., all have Alzheimer's, dementia, all have inflammation at their core. And these are things we really, really have to start paying attention to. I know I'm feeling that big time as I've just crossed over that 50 portal. <laughs> The, the the transition to 50 was a big old speed bump, let me tell you. Um, but anyways, uh, we really need to be paying attention to these, these sorts of things. We've heard about the importance of minding inflammation, um, but this is next level kind of stuff. We really need to start. This is your chance. Our parents, our grandparents, left the last 40% of their lives to chance because we didn't know better but we have better information now and we can pay better attention to pull the levers that make the biggest difference in our experience not just right now the ones that we pull for right now turns out are the same ones we pull to make sure the next 40 years of our lives are quality this really matters. So there's going to be more talk on this podcast and upcoming episodes about the longevity um, science that we have now. Um, in fact, we'll be talking about it in the next episode with Dr. Greg Kelly. But, um, you know, to wrap this up, the question becomes then, okay, inflammation, great. Okay, hormones, great. Yep. Perimenopause, right. I know most of you are listening, probably have some level of exhaustion, do not want to spend a whole lot of time trying to figure this out. Just tell me what to do, doc. I get it. I get it. So here's some things that you can do right now. The brain adapts to the changes eventually of the of the egress of estrogen in perimenopause. Um, it just takes a little bit of time. So that's what uh, Moscone's research has shown us, that in fact there is this big transition period around our brain that happens at midlife. But within a certain amount of time after the end, or the, the acknowledgement of menopause, that is a year without a bleed, uh, the brain settles down and we function returns for most women by far. Isn't that great to hear? <laughs> so excited about that one anyways but it can be a little bit chaotic for a bit um in the meantime what you can do are the things you already know how to do let's just review them 
reduce your stress. Stress is really inflammatory on the system. You're not getting rid of stress because this is the lifestyle we have. This is what we've chosen to live with and live in this um, in, in this culture. Uh, but what you can do is have better stress handling mechanisms. There are so many good ones out there. Um, meditation, breathing, uh, great sleep, exercise, all of those things. Connection, time out in nature, journaling, doing things you love. I mean, there's just so many things. Uh, and many of them I've covered here in the podcast and other episodes if you want to pop back and have a look. So I did refer to sleep. Really, sleep is such an important lever. It's probably the most important one we can pull to gain a better experience at midlife. And I know this is a challenge for a lot of you. It is for me too. I can tell you myself, um, monitoring the things that cause me to have crappy sleep, like if I eat late, certainly alcohol, I've just stopped drinking at this point in my life altogether because it's just not worth it. Sleep is so precious. Um, so that those are big ones for me. Uh, if I have activity that's too stimulating too late in the day, that will keep me awake as well. Um, you know, getting a good idea uh, on what causes you to have sleep issues. I also love my cooling mat that is on my mattress that helps me reduce my uh, temperature overnight. Um, those things all are really important to look at. It really is. You cannot do the other things easily to help you with the menopause transition if you're not getting good sleep. So that one really needs to be prioritized over the all the others. Uh, seven to nine hours a night uh, is what we, we aim for and everybody's a little bit different there. So you've got to look at your own metrics, uh, whether you use a Fitbit, whether you use your Apple Watch. I like the Aura Ring. It does the best job when it comes to the sleep metrics. Um, there are others out there. Uh, I'm constantly learning and, and the the wearable devices are, are getting better and better all the time. Uh, exercise. Uh, we want to shoot for sort of minimally uh, 30 minutes three times a week, minimally between strength training and cardiovascular training. More on that in a future podcast. There's tons of information out there right now about how we should be exercising at this point in our lives. As with all things, pick the one that resonates with you. If someone is telling you you need to do 10 hours of cardio a week, that is not appropriate for a woman in perimenopausal uh, transition, okay? So just because it's too stressful on our bodies and there is a sweet spot with that. And there are other uh, experts that can speak on that better than I can, but just watch for the one that actually makes you feel uh, like, oh, hey, I can do that because we need wins, don't we? It's not just, oh God, now I've got all these other things to worry about. Little wins. What if you get 20 minutes today where you did some stability exercises. You want to know what those are? Put that into YouTube. Stability exercises for 50 year olds. See what comes up. It's going to be things like balancing and joint mobility and um, oh, like the big ones are just moving the big joints to make sure you stay mobile. That is just as important when it comes to exercise as the cardiovascular training. So 
the last one I want to say about inflammation is just, you know, all the food things that you're supposed to be doing right. Remember 80-20 rule. So as long as you're doing the right things 80% of the time, you don't have to sweat the 20% of the time so much, meaning you can have chips <laughs> if you need them or chocolate or whatever, but just make sure you've got your basics under you. Again, I like a paleo type diet, which is meat and vegetables, whichever one of those things works well for you in terms of your protein source, go for it. Some people can't eat beef. Some people don't want to eat meat altogether. Some people just want to be eggs or fish or whatever. Just do your own version of that. But more more vegetables than anything else, but make sure you're getting your, your protein spread out through the day. And, you know, the protein rules uh, vary depending on who you're talking to but basically you should be doing essentially a gram uh, of protein per pound of ideal weight so let's say you might weigh 190 pounds but your ideal weight is 120 then you want 120 grams a day but you don't want it all in one meal you need to spread it out so again pulling these levers just playing with them and see what works for you what works for your neighbor what works for your sister or your bestie may not be the same thing as you and that's okay bioindividuality is a very very real thing okay and the last one i want to recommend to help with these uh menopause as a brain phenomenon phenomenon is to really have a good conversation about HRT and bioidentical HRT as well as just conventional HRT. I know there's some new terms coming out around that. We'll just leave it at that for now. But if now's the time to have the conversation. By the way, the last, uh, I think episode 102, how to talk to your doctor about HRT has been a very popular episode. I give you the language right in it on how to have this discussion with your GP so you, or your prescribing uh, person, practitioner, so you can get the help you need. The language is right in there. But the reason why HRT works at this, at this age and when we start to have these symptoms is is really again if you're thinking about a menopause as a as a as a brain-based phenomenon without the decline of hormones or without the up and down of estrogen if you can just keep it in a baseline these symptoms don't even get started in the brain which is why hormones done properly uh, prescribed properly and I know that's a big deal few few uh, practitioners who prescribe know how to do this in a safe manner there's more and more research coming out about this all the time so I'm hopeful that things are changing but hormones done properly can be safe and effective even if in our 40s if symptoms exist some say even in the late 30s when the perimenopausal transition can start but again we don't want to do these things willy-nilly we want to measure we want to check we want to prescribe by someone who knows what they're doing basically you want transdermal estrogen estradiol and bioidentical progesterone that's the way to do it safely it takes down all the risk factors according to the most current research we have right now which is as of august 2023 and of course you know science marches forward so as we get better research and better information i will share it here but just know that's where things stand currently. So I have so much more to say about this. I love this subject. I love talking about the brain health. I love talking about women's health. As you know, that's why you're here listening. And I'm just so grateful for any time I get to spend with you in your very busy day in your life. Um, but I am doing a live webinar in September on the subject of brain health 
for women at midlife. And I'm going to go a lot deeper on these subjects. I am going to talk about the Alzheimer's and dementia risk and how you manage that because it turns out this is the time to do it right when we're in menopause. We don't wait until we have symptoms of neurodegeneration. We start to manage this now. So I'm going to break down these subjects a lot more in depth um, and give you really the tools you need to keep uh, sharp, to keep your memory functioning well, uh, to be calm and feel peaceful. And um, as you know, I give it all up. So I would love to see you there in the live Brain Health Masterclass for Women, September 9th at noon MST. And I'm going to drop the link to register in the show notes today. So if you have a chance, if you're interested, I'd love to see you again. Um, it'd be nice to see faces, you know, because I usually just talk to my microphone. <laughs> I'm hoping that there's someone out there listening and getting uh, getting something out of this uh, podcast. Actually, I know you are because you're so lovely. You send me messages on uh, social media. It's me that reads those. So if you have any questions or comments uh, or anything you want me to cover here in the podcast that would be helpful to you, please do so. Drop me a note on Instagram. Drop me a note on Facebook. I'd love to talk to you. And you can find out more information about me and my work on my website, which is drlovely.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is at Not Your Mother's Menopause Podcast. And um, uh, Instagram and TikTok. Jeez, I have such a hard time keeping up. <laughs> now there's new ones. Oh my God, I don't know if I can do any more. Um, uh, Instagram and TikTok are at Dr. Fiona Lovely. So thank you so much again for allowing me into your busy life. And I hope there was something really helpful here for you. And until next time, take care of yourself. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your healthcare provider. No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your healthcare provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you.